0: a school shooting in an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. Do you guys remember that? I don't know if you guys remember. There were 19 students and two, ch- two teachers who died, and 17 others were wounded. So tragic. But the horror of that event, if you guys remember the news, the horror was amplified by the fact that the police officers waited over an hour and 14 minutes waited outside of the school, hearing the gunshots, hearing the screams, an hour and 14 minutes before they went in. And during that hour and 14 minutes, parents were fighting with the cops. Parents were fighting to try to get into the building to save their kids. And the cops wouldn't let them go. There was one mother named Angelie Rose Gomez. Anjali Rose Gomez was determined she was, was going to go in. She was going to get her kids. And the cops told her she had to settle down. She had to calm down, or she was going to get arrested. So Anjali, they put her in handcuffs. So Anjali said, all right, all right, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to calm down. The moment they took off those handcuffs, she jumped the fence, she ran across the schoolyard, started banging on the windows of the school. Within minutes, she found both of her kids and ushered them and other kids out of the school into safety. See, Angelie was a hero. Angelie was a hero. And nothing was going to stop her. Her love for her kids meant she was getting to that building. And it didn't matter what the cops had to say. Church, we have been following Jesus as he continues his journey to Jerusalem. Whereas he told his disciples, you might remember back in chapter nine, Jesus told his disciples that he must be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed. Jesus knows what awaits him in Jerusalem. And he's not going to be stopped. So in today's passage, some news will come to Jesus that will try to divert his mission, that will try to distract him. And we're going to see how Jesus responds. So why don't you guys turn with me to Luke chapter 13, verse 31. We're reading, we just have four verses today. Luke chapter 13, 31 to 35. I'm going to read it from the ESV. It says, at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, For your presence with us this morning, Lord. We thank you that you receive the praises and worship of your people, that you love us and you allow us to gather, that you call us together so that we may fellowship with one another, so that we might learn from you, so that we might serve you and receive from you. And Lord, we ask that you would give to us a blessing today, that we might be able to hear your voice. Lord, amplify yourself, Lord. Amplify yourself in our hearts. Convict our hearts. Help us to hear you, Lord, and not me. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week we heard from Pastor Justin as he spoke about Jesus' warning about entering through that narrow door. And in that passage he was condemning the Jews who thought that they would just stroll into the door because they were descendants of Abraham. And as Jesus was talking, as Jesus was speaking about Judgment Day, it says here in this passage, at that very hour. So at this very moment that he's condemning the Jews, it says that the Pharisees came up to him and they have some news for him. The Pharisees say, get away from here, get out, leave, because Herod wants to kill you. Now whenever we see the Pharisees show up in the narrative, it's, it's natural for us to be a little suspicious, right? It's like, do the, are the Pharisees really trying to help Jesus here? Are they really worried for him? Or did they just make up something just to get him to leave, you know? But Jesus acknowledges their warning. He acknowledges them. And it seems like he almost suggests that there's some kind of probably shady relationship between the Pharisees and Herod because Jesus tells them, Hey, I got a message back. Send this message back. He tells them, go and tell that fox. Now, when we hear the word fox, it's like, why is Jesus calling Herod a fox? We might think, like, is he calling Herod like a schemer, like he's like up to no good? And that's a possibility. But in Jewish writings at the time, fox was also used to portray like an insignificant creature, like a fox. Like it's not a lion. It's just a fox. It's just a fox. And it's this definition that probably fits Jesus' tone the best in his response. He's sending the Pharisees back to Herod with this message. He says, tell that fox today, tomorrow, and the third day. That's just a Semitic phrase that just means the next short period of time. He was like, tell him that today, tomorrow, and the third day, I'm going to keep casting out demons. I'm going to keep healing people. I'm going to continue my ministry. And on the third day, I'll be done. And then he continues, he says, nevertheless, anyways, today, tomorrow, and the following day, I have to go anyways, because as a prophet, I can't perish outside of Jerusalem. See, Jesus is dead set, forgive the pun, but he is dead set on going to Jerusalem, where he knows he will die. And for Herod to threaten him with death here, it doesn't even matter doesn't even matter. Herod's just a fox in the grand scheme of God's divine plan. See, Jesus' refusal to pay any mind to Pharisees and Herod, he's not paying any mind. If someone told you, hey, get out of here, someone's trying to kill you, you best believe I'm getting out of there. But for Jesus, he says no. His refusal to pay any mind underscores this truth for us that God will fulfill his mission to save his people. God will finish his plan, he will see his plan through, and Jesus will not be stopped from submitting himself to to those who he knows will kill him for the sake of the world. I want us to take a step back here. I want us to back up here because sometimes when we read narratives like this, these small portions, we kind of think like, so what? We gloss over it really quickly. So what? Jesus wasn't scared of Herod. So what? He kept going. But Jesus' determination to go to Calvary, where he knows he'll be crucified, is because of his obedience to the plan that God had declared so, so long ago to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. This was not a new idea for Jesus. Hey, I got to get to Jerusalem. See, when God's first humans, when Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan, when they were deceived by Satan, God told the serpent that the woman's offspring will bruise his head. The woman's offspring will bruise his head. There will be a man who will bruise Satan's head. Satan's defeat and the rescue of God's people was already determined, was already determined. God knew how his humans, his beloved people had fallen. And he determined that that was not going to be the end of the story. In Genesis 12, God chooses a man named Abram who gets renamed to Abraham. And God foretells him his destiny. He foretells him the gospel. He tells Abraham that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, somehow Abraham, You old, old man, somehow in you, you are going to bless every family on earth, every nation, every people group on earth in the whole world is going to be blessed through you. Through you and generations and generations of Abraham's descendants later, a baby was miraculously born to a young Jewish couple, a baby who the angels called a savior. And this savior, Jesus, inaugurated the kingdom of God when he declared that this prophecy in Isaiah was fulfilled in him, that the spirit of the Lord was on him. He was the one who came to proclaim freedom to the captives and good news to the poor. It was he who came. He was the one who was prophesied to come. Jesus' ministry his work, his miracles that he references here in his response to Herod, hey, I'm going to keep casting out demons, I'm going to keep healing people, his work were all a sign that Satan's end was in sight. Jesus was going to finish his ministry. He was not going to be stopped. Jesus was going to finish his ministry and he was going to continue on to the redemption of God's people on the cross. Herod was not going to stop him. I think often we forget we forget how sure God's word is. We think God's just saying, it, saying things like he doesn't mean it. We forget how determined God was and continues to be in saving those of us who follow Jesus. You know, there's this false sense of feeling, like false sense of control that we have over our fate, over our own salvation. And sometimes that feeling that we're so much in control makes us doubt, especially when we have sinned deeply against God. We doubt if God really loves us, if we're really Christian. I have heard that many times. Those who have stumbled into sin, those who are struggling in their walk, they feel like, does God still love me? Am I still a Christian if I'm not walking in obedience? See, we're often like the younger son. You guys might know him as the prodigal son, who, which means the wasteful son. I had to look that up. I don't know if you guys know. Prodigal means wasteful. The wasteful younger son in Jesus' parable thought that he had fallen so far that he was no longer worthy to be called his father's son. He thought he was no longer worthy. But he didn't realize that it wasn't his worthiness that determined his father's love for him. And it wasn't our worthiness that set God's will on our rescue. We didn't even exist at the time that God had already determined Jesus is going to come. It was never that we were worthy, that Jesus was so determined to go to Jerusalem, to go to that cross. He's not going to Jerusalem because we deserve it. He's going to Jerusalem because of God's will and God's love for us. It's not because of anything we have done or anything we will do or won't do. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? This was God's plan from the beginning. Jesus is walking in obedience and Herod wasn't part of his plan. God had his sight set on us before we were born. In Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul wrote that Jesus died for the ungodly. Now, that's, that's hard to hear, right? Because when I say the ungodly, who am I talking about? I'm, I'm talking about us. Jesus died for the ungodly. Jesus died for the sinners, while we were still sinners, not because we cleaned ourselves up. So if we believe this salvation is truly a gift from God, we will say that in one breath, and in the next breath, we'll be so worried we've lost our salvation will be so worried that God has left us. But if salvation is a gift from God, if I'm giving you a gift, and you start working as if you gotta earn this, like I'm gonna be offended. I'm gonna be offended. Hey, I gave this to you because I love you and your relationship with me is enough. Don't give it back to me. Don't suggest I'm gonna take it away from you. Now that's offensive. That's offensive. Like, why do we use terms like, oh, he's a good Christian, or I'm a bad Christian? Like, the definition of Christian is based on what he has done and not what we have done. Amen? Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem. God's heart is set on that. He is going to the cross. God will fulfill his mission to save his people. And those of us who follow Jesus... Those of us who are his disciples we are absolutely assured of our salvation absolutely but for those of us who are not his people for those who reject Jesus those who reject his gift they will be forsaken they will be forsaken so after Jesus finishes crafting his response to Herod telling him, hey, I'm going to go anyways, and I'm not going to be hindered by your death threat, he starts lamenting over Jerusalem. He starts mourning over Jerusalem. And this second part of our passage, the second part of his dialogue with the Pharisees, sounds more like a prophecy coming from an Old Testament prophet. He sounds like Jeremiah. He's lamenting, lamenting over Jerusalem's fate. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he cries. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He calls it the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Now, prophets were killed in in Jerusalem proper. And many prophets were persecuted there. But by and large, Jesus is condemning Israel. By and large, he's condemning Israel. God had sent so many prophets. So many people speaking his word to the Israelites, telling the Israelites, come back to me, telling them about his love, warning them that the curses of their sin and idolatry were soon coming. God sent so many people and they persecuted them. We can read in the scriptures, read the Old Testament, how Israel failed to keep her covenant with God Yet over and over and over again, God sent word. God sent word. The prophets that you see in our Bibles, you know those books in the middle of the Bible? There's more than that. There's more. Those are just the ones who wrote books. There's more prophets that were sent to Israel who Israel did not listen to. There was a video I saw not too long ago And at first glance, it appears to be a woman getting harassed by someone, a young man who seemed homeless and probably on some sort of substance. And in the video, there's a man who is trying to get the woman to leave. And the woman refuses. The woman refuses. And When I read the caption for that video, my heart broke. You see, that that woman was a young man's mother. And the man was her husband, and her husband was trying to get her to let their son go, to let their son go. See, only a parent with such unconditional love for their child could understand the pain that Jesus is expressing here, the pain that God has when we reject him over and over and over again. Jesus uses an illustration that you might recognize from the Psalms. It's also an illustration in Deuteronomy. It's this image of a mother hen protecting her young under her wings. See, God offered the Israelites his love. He offered them his protection, and yet they were not willing. How many of us reject God when he pursues us over and over again? when he calls us back to him, forgiving our sin, and yet we say no, we reject him. Think about those who he placed in, our, in your life, Christian parents, Christian influences, Christians who are calling you, telling you, come back, come back to the church, Christians who preach to you the gospel. Were they just a coincidence that they were there, or were they the ones that God sent for you? Or were they the ones that God sent? And yet how many of us are still refusing God's offer of, re- of a relationship with him? See, the result of rejecting Jesus, which is clear in Jesus' lament. Jesus is lamenting for Israel because the result, the, what happens if you reject Jesus is that you will be forsaken. You will be abandoned by God. And there will be a day when it's going to be too late. This is how Jesus ends his lament. He tells Jerusalem, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You will not see me until you say that. Now, every, mostly everyone agrees that when Jesus says, you will not see me, he means his second coming. It means his coming back to earth after he ascended to heaven. But scholars disagree on the other part of what he's saying, of Jesus' phrasing. So some some scholars say that there is like a light of hope, that Jesus has changed his tone. So from lamenting, he turns into this optimistic tone, saying, Jerusalem, you will not see me again until you acknowledge that I have come in the name of the Lord. And what does that mean? So there's, there's a belief that all of Israel will finally turn and come to follow Jesus. And that has basis in scripture. It does. In in Paul's letter to Rome, he wrote that all Israel will be saved. And that is our hope and that is our prayer. But is that what Jesus really means here? Is that what Jesus really means? Some scholars disagree. There's other scholars, and I kind of fall into this camp, other scholars are saying like, no, I don't think he's switching his tone. I don't think he's he's prophesying Israel coming to salvation and then he's going to return. These scholars say that Israel will not acknowledge him, that he comes in the name of the Lord until he actually comes, until they see him coming in glory. Then they will have to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, because it will be obvious then. You won't see me until you have no choice but to acknowledge me because it will be obvious, and then it will be too late. Then it will be too late. What is absolutely certain is that Jesus will return. What's absolutely sure is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus said that on his last day, on the last day, he will return with his angels in glory, to judge both the living and the dead in our daily Bible reading plan. I don't know who's reading with us, but we just finished reading 2 Peter. And I want to read to you how Peter describes that day of the Lord. He writes that the heavens are being set on fire and heavenly bodies melting, melting as they burned. Jesus will come back to establish the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus will banish evil once and forever. And Jesus will welcome his followers into eternal life. That is so sure. My kids don't understand death yet. My kids don't understand death. But they understand pain, right? They get boo-boos. They understand illness. They understand pain. And I've told them that one day our bodies will stop working. One day, all of our bodies will stop working. But it will be okay, because if we follow Jesus, he is going to give us new bodies. New bodies, and then we will still be together forever. And to this deep theological truth, my four year old said, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. See, death is understood by my preschooler now as no big deal, as no big deal. Praise God. Will we be found secure in our salvation when he returns? Will we we be found secure in our relationship with Jesus? As some believe this is what Jesus means for Israel. If so, if we're found secure with him, walking with him, safe with him, then his return is gonna be great news. Then his return's gonna be great news. We're not going to have to deal with the struggle of war, with the evils of war, the evils done by men's sin. We won't be struggling with illness and death and pain any longer. As Pastor Tim Keller would often quote Samwise Gamgee, everything sad will become untrue. However, If at Jesus' return, we're still found disbelieving him, we're still rejecting him, we're still rejecting God, we're still rejecting the gospel, then Jesus' return will be very bad news. There'll be no room left for doubt. There's no doubt left to doubt. Atheists and agnostics will have nothing left to say when Jesus comes back. All of those who have been worshipping other gods will have no choice but to bow down at the feet of Jesus. Israel will have no more chances. And all those who have chosen to go their own way will find out where that way leads. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Church, we must be ready for that day of the Lord. If you think of history in the scriptures, if you think of history as a movie, where the beginning of the movie starts at Genesis 1:1. The first thing that happens in the movie is God creates the heavens and the earth. If you understand scripture as a movie, then right now at this very moment, while you guys sit there and I stand up here, we are at the end of the film. We're at the end of the film. The movie is almost over. The climax has already passed. The ushers are ready with their brooms. The second person of the triune God has come, has died, has resurrected. Satan's defeat is already declared. It's as good as done. The only thing left is who is going to be in the everlasting kingdom of God. The only thing left is who is going to receive that crown of life. I saw this prompt on Instagram. It's on one of those Christian meme accounts. I think you guys should look into those. (laughs) And the prompt was, if you can bring three items to heaven, what would you bring? And the most liked comment was, currently trying to bring people. As I begin to close and we reflect on this part of the narrative in Luke's gospel, We can be so greatly encouraged to see how determined Jesus was in securing our salvation. At his own expense, Jesus, God came so that he could die for our sake, and he was determined to do so. Just as Angelique Gomez ran to her kids, she ran into that building. She paid no mind to what the cops were saying. She ran to us. Jesus went. To Jerusalem he was going to save us he was going on that cross and it didn't matter what came his way see nothing would have stopped him nothing would have stopped him we can be so relieved to know that God had never abandoned his people that they were still in the Garden of Eden when God had a plan already he didn't wait to see how might this sin play out let's let's hold on maybe they'll come back he wasn't thinking, oh, let's, let's just see, you know, let's, let's take our time. The moment that humans fell, he was like, Satan, you're, you're going down. Satan, you're going down. And her offspring is going to bruise your head. We can live free from this fear that his promise to us won't be fulfilled because of something that we've done. Because we've stumbled into sin. Maybe we've fallen away for a moment. And we think like, does God still love me? We don't have to feel that way. We don't have to feel that way. It was never that we were good that Jesus came to save us in the first place. The mission was already set. Yet at the same time, we know from Jesus' cry for Jerusalem, for Israel, that those who don't repent will be forsaken. We know Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and when he does, there'll be no more chances left to repent. So let's live with gratitude. Let's live with faith and thankfulness in God who predestined Jesus to come. Let us be thankful that our Messiah, our Jesus, our Savior, went to that cross, was determined to go for us. He saw us. He knew us. We were not born yet, but we were in God's mind, and he was going to save us. Let us live mindful of those who have yet to come to a saving relationship with Christ. It's not too late. It's not too late. Let us share with them the hope that we have. Let us warn them. Let us tell them, hey, God loves you beyond what you can ever imagine. You don't know what Jesus went through for you. Let us pray for those whose repentance God is still waiting for. God is waiting for his sheep to come home. God is waiting for his sheep to come home. Let us intercede. Let us pray that they will not perish, but they will live. So let us make the most of our last days, the end of the movie, as we wait for Jesus's return. The new heavens and the new earth will soon be here. You can be sure of that. It will come. That day will come. God will fulfill his mission. So let's work on ours. Let's work on ours. Let's not be distracted. Let's run to those who need him, those who need salvation. If you are struggling this morning with doubt, if you fear, if you worry that God will not fulfill his promise to you, if you're struggling with self-condemnation, you think you're not good enough for Jesus, that God won't accept you because you have sinned so far, I invite you guys to come to the back where we will have people ready to pray with you. If there's someone that you're lamenting over, if there's someone you're praying for, someone that you hope will turn and follow Jesus, then I invite you guys to come pray with us pray so that we might intercede together, so that God can hear the chorus of his children cry out for those who are still forsaken. Let us pray because God hears us and God loves us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you foresaw our salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus to rescue us, to redeem us, that you did not leave us to perish from our sin. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to walk like you, Jesus. Help us to not be distracted from the things in this world because we know the new heavens and the new earth are surely coming. Father, help us not to set our roots here on that which is temporary, but on that which is eternal. Lord, help us to find those who are your sheep Lord, save those who we love, save our family, save our friends before it is too late. Lord, we know that you are good. We know, Jesus, that you have done what you have done for us. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us make the most of these days before you return. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.